Okay, we are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates on Investigates on today's show. I have a very special guest. She comes to us from Costa Rica. Her name is Lana Wedmore, and she wrote in 2020 a book titled Married to Paradise, One Woman's Courageous Journey of Intuition, Passion, and Purpose to Build an Echo Lodge in the Rainforest. Very interesting book that I read through. And this is kind of uh, a book that falls in the series I talked to another author about building her own log cabin in Oregon. So this book came to my attention just as I was browsing through Amazon and uh, kind of piqued my interest. So I reached out to Lana and she I'm glad she agreed to the interview. So she's going to talk more about this process that she had going to Costa Rica in 1991. Kind of really, in my mind, she can probably tell, tell me I'm right or wrong, but it was kind of before Costa Rica was on the tourist map, but uh, she can talk more about that. So Lana, are you there? Yes. Hi. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hi, well, thanks for agreeing to the interview. Can you talk about kind of, you had a very adventurous life in your book. You've been to Australia and many of Asia, many other countries. Can you kind of talk about where you grew up and how your adventures led to you ending up in Costa Rica? Yeah, I was lucky enough to be raised in Colorado um, near a ski area named Crested Butte, Crested Butte, Colorado. And uh, so I was pretty lucky my whole life to always be outside in nature. I mean, I skied, I water skied, I rafted, I had horses, and I was always outside. And um, and then I always got to travel a lot. I was really lucky. My dad took us traveling a lot. And then I, I got a boyfriend and his dad was an Eastern pilot. So I traveled a lot with them. And um, and I'm a Sag. Actually, my birthday is in like about three weeks. No, about a month. Actually, a month. December 11th. And Sag, as you know, we love to travel. And um, so all that just encouraged me to. I was lucky enough when I graduated from college. I was going to come back down here to Costa Rica, but I was um, I was picked to go on an expedition. It's called. It was called Operation Rally. It was a four-year round-the-world tour involving 4,000 young people. And my stint was um, sailing from Sydney, Australia, 14 days offshore to Christchurch, New Zealand. And we then we went to um, an outward-bound camp there. And then we to Auckland. And then we sailed north to Vanuatu. And then we sailed back to Cairns. So then I ended up living in Australia for like a year and a half and then traveling around Asia. You know, a lot of my my friends and a lot of people at that time, which was in the 80s, like 86, 87, you know, after they graduated college, a lot of them went to Europe. But I really had a really, really strong desire to sail and to go to Australia. So I did. And it pretty much changed my life. And that was sponsored by Prince Charles, right? So it was kind of like an international. So you were lucky to be on there. You learned to sail. And you actually ended up kind of in the farthest north part of our Australia, right? Yeah, it was amazing because I had already been here to Costa Rica and I always already spoke fluent Spanish because I first came to Costa Rica in 19, the end of 1981, 1982 with a boyfriend to learn Spanish. So, um, and then I did my junior year in college in Costa Rica too, which really helped me. But it was um, amazing because I already spoke Spanish and I used to write my journal on the ship in Spanish so that no one could read my, my, you know, what I was writing. And then they saw that. And um, John Blashford Snell was an amazing man. It was also his idea with Prince Charles to do this expedition. And so 
it was a four year round the world tour, but in two years, my ship, which was a beautiful square rigger, 72 foot square rigger, Zebu was gonna go to Cairns and the other ship was the Sir Walter Raleigh was coming across from Chile. So the whole, you know, all the people that worked on the ship were from Chile. So they said, Lena, will you stay for the party? Cause they were gonna have a big party because there was a two year reunion of the two ships coming around the world. And that's where they were gonna meet. So they said, will you stay on? and be an interpreter for the party. And I was like, sure. And then they said, will you drive for John Blashford Snow? So I got to be his chauffeur. And um, it was amazing. It was incredible. So your Spanish skills helped out right from the beginning, just knowing that alternative language. And so you, I mean, at this time, you're picking up these skills and techniques, cooking, kind of uh, kind of like, it seemed like all those steps led you to Costa Rica. But can you talk about what it was like in the kind of the farthest north of Australia? Yeah. So that's what was so amazing, William, because I didn't have a dime to my name, seriously, because I hadn't raised so much money to go on this expedition. And, you know, I didn't have very much money. And so when they invited me to, you know, I was like a little backpacker. And so when they invited me to to volunteer for them, it just gave me, I mean, it just helped me so much. And then one of the men who was, became a very good friend of mine, he was doing recce trips, like going all around Australia to look for other sites, you know, and so he went to the northern tip of Australia and went to this place called Cape York Wilderness Lodge. And he he said, man, it was so cool. And so he just said to the manager, you know, I have a young volunteer and I'm sure she would love and come to work for you. And she knows how to sail. And, you know, he said she can do anything. And so the manager said, send her up. So I got a job through that, you know, and you're exactly right. I did everything there. I went there to teach sailing and, you know, take care of the the fishing boats because it's amazing fishing but then I ended up that's where I did my first business plan for mine because we could accommodate 50 people we had 25 staff you know I ended up cooking being a waitress I mean I did everything cleaned and so that was really truly where I did my first business plan for my lodge mm -hmm. right so you're by the Great Barrier Reef you wrote there's crocodiles so you have kind of a little there's some serious like uh, risks there I think that you encountered even before you made it to Costa Rica. And so you were there. I mean, you kind of did live that backpacker life. I think at least that's what kind of came across to me in the book. So you went from Northern Australia back to the U S and then formulated your plan to be in Costa Rica in 1991, correct? Well, I actually, um, I actually went um, through Asia. I had a, an Australian boyfriend and so, you know, it was so great because, you know, we worked and they never, I never saw my money because they just put it directly into the bank. So I was saving money and then I ended up, my sister came and joined me, but then I wanted to go through Asia on my own. And so I ended up going through Asia and then with another boyfriend. And uh, so that was also, you know, such an incredible experience. You know, that was 1987, traveling through Thailand and Malaysia and Nepal at that time was amazing. I mean, that's when Nepal was like really pure, you know? And I did Annapurna Trek and then went to England. So I literally went around the world. Yeah. And so then I went back to the United States and I I was kind of lost. You know, I really, truly did not want to be there. So I went back to Colorado, worked. And then I was like, I love biking. So I went and worked in Vermont as a, you know, led bicycle tours. And then another friend came to see me and we fell in love. And then we went to Alaska and then we came back to Colorado and we were teaching skiing and I was going to end up marrying him. But, you know, my intuition was just, you know, just pulling me to Costa Rica. 
So I said, you know, I got to go back to Costa Rica. So then I started talking to all my friends and saying, I'm going to drive through Central America. And so it ended up 16 of us. And that was in, yeah, 91, 92. Yeah. And we had three vehicles. We had five surfboards, four kayaks, two rafts and two bicycles. And it was really my goal, you know, to move to Costa Rica at that time. And um, it was, we took a month. We were never robbed. There was like four of us that spoke Spanish. I had two Volkswagen mechanics because I had a 71 Volkswagen bus and it was red and white. It had polka dotted curtains and black and white checkered floor. And then we had a Suburban because there were three brothers and the parents were like, you got to have a big car. And we called that the Bourbon. And then we had a Chevy van. And so 16 of us, nine men and seven women took a so month. You had, you had an adventure. That was one of another of your adventures was a month. I think you had a detour in Honduras. So you saw some of the sites, some of the archaeological sites. What happened next? Well, yeah. So, you know, it was my goal, but I wanted to to come back. And I had already been working for this um, travel agency in Costa Rica. And uh, and so the it's pretty incredible because the owner of the company, he, he gave me an interview through another friend. And he said, tell me a little bit about yourself, Lena. I said, well, you know, I just travel around, you know, um, you know, Asia and around the world. And um, my birthday is in a couple of weeks. And he said, when's your birthday? I said, December 11th. He said, that's my birthday. He said, I don't know where I'm going to put you, but you got the job because he knew that I would be honest and I would be responsible and transparent. And so he, um, he put me in sales, which was the best thing because he put me in the center and two really good looking Costa Rican men on either side, but people directly came to me because they knew I would speak English so I sold so much for him. And I was so lucky, really, William, because at that time, like you said before, Costa Rica was just like starting to just bubble. And I was so lucky because he sent me all over Costa Rica to check out all these places so I could sell them. And he at that time had three lodges. He was one of the first men that really started rafting in Costa Rica. His name was Michael Kay. He actually just passed away, but he was amazing man. Yeah. So that's kind of how you kind of learned about that whole area in Costa Rica much better was selling. And I think I can't remember the name of the lodge. It was Toca Lupa Large, I think, in the book. Um, so you went and saw some of these other operations, correct? Yeah, Tortuga Lodge in Monteverde. But it was so incredible because in front of my desk, there was this beautiful picture, just like on my book, you know, of this beautiful, beautiful tropical beach with rainforest touching, you know, the beach. And it was right in front of me, right in front of my, you know, every day I looked at it and I went to him and I said, Michael, Michael, where don't do Michael, where is this place? He said, Corcovado. And I was like, I have to go there. And then my dad and my sister came to visit me and we, we went down on that beach that's on my book. And the first day that I ever landed on that beach, I can honestly tell you, Willem, I was like this. And I had been lucky enough to travel around the world. So, but that beach was just so, so incredible. Yeah. Right. So you ended up in the Osa Peninsula, which is kind of far south from the central main city of San Jose, correct? Yes. So mm -hmm. it's still very rural. We talked in the pre-show. It's still rural. So it was rural back then in 1991. What happened next? Well, so then I, um, I continued working for him, but then he asked, well, then he asked me to be assistant manager of a lodge that he had just started there. So, oh my gosh, that was incredible because, well, first he said, be a guide. So I was a guide all over Costa Rica. And then he sent me to Corcoal for like a month. 
And the first time that he sent me to Corcovado, he flew me on a little, you know, 206 directly. We landed right near the beach. And then the next day I was sent to a place called Sirena, which is inside of Corcovado National Park and with two National Geographic photographers. So that was my introduction. I mean, I love nature and I love animals so much my whole life. But so we got we had to go put the National Geographic photographers in their place. And then I went with this other guide and every day we would just go around and look at the animals and he just taught me so much. And that was my introduction. So then I was a guide and then, which was incredible. And then he knew that I loved it there. So he said, Lana, will you be assistant manager? I said, yes. Well, then this man that I was going to marry four years later from Alaska came to visit me. I went back to Alaska with him to try and get married again. It didn't work. So when I came back to Costa Rica, my, my boss said, will you be manager of this lodge? And that was my true goal. So I literally lived on the beach and ran that lodge. I was a guide, assistant manager for nine years. I lived on the beach, but I had a dream to have my own hotel. Right. So you started then as a manager and how did the guests kind of find out about this kind of rural environment there? And how many guests did you have at a certain time? And what was it like managing for those nine years? Well, it was amazing because the company was called Costa Rica Expeditions. And so they already had it all set up. Seriously, he was one of the pioneers in ecotourism in Costa Rica. And um, there was several of them, but he had... Tortuga Lodge, Monteverde Lodge, and Corcoal Lodge Tent Camp. Plus, he had all the rafting, and he had a tourism company where people would come, and they would take people, like, on a week or 10-day tour, you know. So he really got in on the first, you know, first start of tourism here. And so when he found out that I loved, you know, Corcoal, you know, and he knew that he could trust me, he sent me there, and I loved it so much. People, it was, it was, um, they had... They had three day, two nights. So they would fly in on a little Cessna from San Jose to Karate. And then I would walk them down the beach like 45 minutes an hour to where we were. The only way you could get to where I was was walking on the beach. And then they would stay two nights and then we would take them to Corcovado. And then they would stay another day and then they would fly out. So I just truly capitalized on that idea because so many more people wanted to stay more days and they wanted a little bit more, you know, more conveniences because we had bathrooms we had tents they're on little platforms but the bathrooms you had to walk to them so when i was you know really thinking about my idea of my hotel i wanted to have bathrooms i wanted to have bungalows i wanted to have decks so that people could really enjoy the view of the rainforest but it was one of the most amazing things william to work there because it was like a school for me but i was being paid and the, most, and the most amazing thing for me was that i learned how to work with the Costa Rican people you know? Right. So it's a little different. The culture is a little different there than the States. And you're really in a primeval area, in my opinion. I mean, certain parts in my, well, I've been in Costa Rica. I was there in 98. Certain elements we were in, I could have been gone back in time, thousands of years. Do you ever get that kind of, or did you get that feeling initially? Or what was it like being in that kind of rural area? Yeah. I wanted to show you my, my view of my home my view, I am looking at Mother Earth in her prime. I'm looking out from my home to primary rainforest, you know, and there's not very many places left in the world. I also have a foundation called the White Hawk Foundation to protect this area because, you know, there's not very many places left in the world where they're only protected for the animals. And thank goodness, um, also a friend of mine, he, he was the Minister of Environment and it was his idea to save this area. And thank goodness they did. 
because you know it's just so important. They National Geographic says this is the most biodiverse place left on the earth. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. incredible. And it's Park right. or Parque Nacional Corcovado, C O R C O V A D O. So people can look that up. And what do, what was it like kind of adapting to Costa Rica and Costa Ricans? Well, that's uh, I learned a lot. And you know, it's so funny because one time I I was I remember I was assistant manager and the manager had to leave because he was having a little trouble with his family. And um, I told some of them, some of the guys, you know, to, to go start working because they were, you know, drinking coffee. They love to talk. And uh, and I was like, okay, guys, yeah, time's up. You know, coffee breaks over. And no one moved, you know. And, um, and especially one of them because he and I kind of had like a little, you know, tiff. And so I waited like about 10 minutes. And then I was like, okay, you guys, you know, it's time. And I, at that time, William, I had never gotten upset in Spanish. So my Spanish, my vocabulary was always happy, you know, until that day. It was like, man, I got to like, you know, bring it up because I needed to get upset <laughs> or at least be strong, you know. But I re I realized at that time because I was kind of upset at one of them. And I realized and it's something that I've learned from the Costa Rican people is if you're going to get upset at someone, you speak to them alone. Don't ever speak to them in front of other people. It's respect, you know. And so it's actually something that I'm I'm very thankful for. You know, that I learned at that time. So, and these are rural Costa Rican people, you know, and so it was amazing, but they're wonderful people. I mean, I've been in, living in Costa Rica now for 41 years on and off and here on the OSA for 31 and my lodge is 21. It's going to be 22 years old this, you know, this New Year's. And um, I love these people, but I love Costa Rica because of the people, the place, you know, um, it's just incredible. There's 12 different ecological, ecological zones and there's just so much and mainly because of the animals, you know, they've done such an amazing job protecting the animals and the forest. Yeah. The people are really beautiful and it really is. I was in certain parts of Costa Rica where I thought I was in uh, Switzerland or something like you didn't, I didn't know that that terrain existed, but the Hills looking down, I think it was uh, the, uh, uh, volcano, I can't, Avenal or Ironal, is that right? Mm -hmm. But I mean, just incredible beauty and really just a wonderful country. The people I found to be San Jose was a bit hectic, hectic. But when I got outside of San Jose, really beautiful. And also, like you said, like we were driving down the road, howler monkeys, you know, just pulled over and checked it out. Really, it's an amazing, amazing uh, country. So you had this spot in Karate. And so you're working as a manager. Can you talk about the steps from managing somebody else's property to creating your own? Yeah. You know, like he had so much um, confidence in me and we were so far away, you know, I mean, he couldn't come and check out me all the time, but he knew that I would, you know, be honest and, and, you know, run it the best way that I could and be responsible. So, but I still had my dream, William. I still had, you know, ever for so long, pretty much my whole life, I've always worked in tourism and I taught skiing, I did bicycle tours, I taught sailing, you know, I cooked, I was a waitress. I mean, my whole life I've worked in tourism and outside usually. And so um, it was just another opportunity, but there was a time when I kept telling him, you know, we need to buff it up, you know, we need to, you know, maintenance. And I could just see that, you know, they weren't really paying attention to what I was saying. And I remember one time I was like looking at, because we were right by the ocean, you know, so the, the door on the bathroom was kind of like almost the hinge was coming off. And 
I remember I was looking at it and this older guest came up to me and he said, you know, Lena, I want to tell you, you know, my daughter was here like six months ago and she told me that I had to come here. And then my son came and he was like here like three months ago, came here to see you, the Crocodile Lodge Tin Camp. And he said, and now I'm here. He said, and they were right. You run a tight ship. He said, you're doing an amazing job here. He said, but you need some help. This place is run down. I said, I know. And that day it was kind of like the oomph, you know, it's like triumph is a little bit of try with oomph. And that day it was like, okay, it's time, you know, because I needed to put all my energy into my own project and my dream. You know, I really, really helped them and I loved them. And actually I, I sent my letter of resignation and, you know, I had to send it by plane. And then the next plane the next day or a couple of days later came and wrote back and he said, Lena, please don't leave us. Will you go run another lodge? And, um, and I said, no, I'm sorry. You know, I got to go. And so then I had fallen in love with, of course, with the Costa Rican. And so he and I went to Colorado and we worked for six months. And then I had already driven down through Central America, you know, in 91, 92. So this was like 97 now. And so we went back home, bought a 72 Chevy. My dad helped us buy it. And we had to like sand it and paint it because it was like an old this was a fisherman. It was like green and blue and yellow. So we sanded it and we painted it with spray paint blue. And then we bought a horse trailer and then we filled it with a you know generator, all the tools, surfboards, kayaks, and then some other friends came down with us. And uh, so I had a 72 Chevy and a horse trailer filled wow. with everything to build Luna Lodge. And that was in 97. Mm -hmm. And then where did you select your spot to build your lodge? Well, yeah, that's really interesting because when I was still at the lodge, you know, I was like, you know, my, my feet were getting really itchy and I was like, I really wanted to be there. And there was a piece of property next to the lodge right on the beach that was for sale. So I really checked into that piece, but it, it was, the papers were dirty and, you know, it was just like, and also my boss thought he owned it and I really did not want to have any trouble with him. So I kind of let it go. But I was so bummed because I worked on the oil spill in Alaska and uh, made a little bit of money. And so I had saved that money. And so I um, I was bummed and all my employees knew it. Everybody knew. I mean, I was I was sad because I really wanted to live in this area and protect it mainly. So one of my employees said one day, he's like, Lena, I have some land up the Rio Karate. I said, let's go. And I remember my boss was even there. And so we snuck up and we had to walk like about over an hour, you know, up here. And uh, we walked into the primary rainforest and I just felt it, William. It was just like, wow. I was like, I mean, it was beautiful primary rainforest. And in my heart, it was like, I need to help save this. And I need to build something to share because it was so beautiful. And the my employee had, there was, they were getting kilos of gold off this property. And then this gold mining company from Canada. And then when they stopped, they gave this farm to a gold miner. So he came up here. And at that time, Costa Rica said, okay, if you're going to have a piece of land, you need to produce something on it. So he burned this area all the way from the river, all the way up where I have my yoga platform. And he planted a hundred fruit trees and he had seven kids and they had this garden. They lived off the land. Well, these two other men went back to that same hole and they got gold out and then they came up here and they said to the men, we want to buy this piece of property. So he said, okay. So he sold it to them with gold they had found on the farm. And this was like about five years later. And now Costa Rica was started to receive money to protect the rainforest. 
So now Costa Rica said, okay, if you're going to have any farm, you need to re re reforest. Need to, you know. So, um, so my farm, my they say farms, but my property is amazing because like 75% is primary. And then I have this area that I used that I never had to burn. I, I never had to cut down a tree to build it because it was already burned and had all these fruit trees. So there's so it's so amazing birding here, William, because there was all these fruit trees and it was left for like five years, you know, before I came. So it was already it was already ripened and ready and grown. Right? Yeah. I mean, I had to you know cut the grass, definitely. But and then I have all this reforestation of all these incredible trees, you know. So, yeah. It's so you're up the Rio Karate, um, yes. and what's the building process like? I mean, permitting, what is the, how's it working with the government, land rights, those kind of title issues? How, how did you have any problems with that? Because I've heard of like stuff in Mexico, people have trouble, but what was it like in Costa Rica? Oh, yeah, it can be really difficult there too. I mean, a lot of things happened, you know, and actually, when I was building it, the weather was so bad, we couldn't even get in here. And I had to rent a tractor and a trailer and we were bringing in the suite though, which is, um, it was for the roofs and all these nails and um, and the tractor driver put on the brakes. And my boyfriend at that time was on the tractor, but I was on this cart with all the supplies and all the food with his dad and the tractor lost its brakes. And my boyfriend's dad was like, flew off the top. He said, Lana, and the whole tractor cart fell on top of me. And I broke my leg in four places and my nose in two and I stitched all over my face. And and then the next day, the government came and closed me down because I wouldn't, you know, give them any more idea. No, I wouldn't give them a little you know, money on the side because, I mean, I didn't believe in it. And I told them that. I was like, it's your job. Number one, it's your job. Number two, I don't have the money. And number three, I'm not going to do it. So he never gave me the permits and then they closed me down for like eight months. But I know now, William, that everything happens for a reason. And I was just like so gung ho, you know, on my dream. But I really needed to just sit back and I didn't have any money. My whole family thought I was crazy. Everyone thought I was crazy. So just my boyfriend and his little brother and one other employee. And we were closed for eight months. And like my my lodge had just started, you know, I mean, but the floor was dirt there was a roof and the, the deck in front was half made and I just read conversations with God and Celestine prophecy and really realized you know my my dream and what my goal was and listen to my intuition you know I had a purpose in life and it was to protect this place and also to help people and so how did you resolve the problem well I had to go because I was totally broke. I had no money. So I went to the, imagine, I went to the Banco Nacional here in Costa Rica, which is, you know, one of the biggest banks, you know, on my crutches and everything and, you know, my eye. And uh, I asked for a loan and they said, okay, it was just one room. And, you know, the president, the loan officer, everyone was listening. And I said, I need a loan. They said, well, we'll give you a loan in Colones with 32%. I said, no. I want a dollar loan. I want seven years, first year grace period, 9.75%. That was 1999. And that's what it was like in the United States at that time. And they said, oh, no, we don't know. We've never given a dollar loan. We'll have to take this to San Jose. It took two months for them to get back to me. And they gave me a loan for $85,000, which was huge for them. It's the first dollar loan they had ever given to anyone. 
here in this area. And so I was their baby. And I I got that loan. I paid it off. I got another loan. I paid it off. <laughs> so it started a relationship, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's still, your place is still there, Luna Lodge, right? That's the name of it? Yes, Luna Lodge. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Luna Lodge is there, 4.9, five-star reviews. So congratulations on that. At least that's on uh, Google. But you said you were featured in some magazines and other uh, travel guides, correct? Yeah, Condonist Traveler. Yeah, Travel and Leisure. Yeah, and CNN, the most one of the four top romantic places in the world. Wow. Um, but I, like I told you before, we're surrounded 360 degrees by nature. Seriously, there's not very many places that can say that. And nature truly is the best medicine. Mm -hmm. Right, and I mean, people come there and get. I mean, you kind of have the Echo Lodge, but you also integrate some other things into that, right? I mean, yeah, can you talk about what kind of services you provide? Yeah, well, I am a yoga instructor and I've been doing yoga for over 32 years. I mean, yoga saved my life. I mean, I started yoga when I was teaching skiing, but it's actually what totally saved my life when I broke my leg in four places. And I did it up here on my own. I did my own therapy, you know, physical therapy. But I've been, you know, teaching and doing yoga for over 32 years. And I'm also a shamanic Reiki master. And um, I do cacao ceremonies and I drink cacao every day. And, um, you know, it pretty much goes hand in hand, nature and yoga, but nature and healing. For me, truly, Mother Earth is truly the best medicine. Truly. You drink what every day? Is that the drink that they drink in the Polynesians? What drink is that? Cacao. It's cacao. Oh, so you drink chocolate every day. So yeah, but it's real cacao. And it's grown here in Costa Rica. It's, it's pretty much in Central America. And we, I, this year, I... I already had cacao on my farm, but this year I planted, we have two regenerative farms here at Luna Lodge and I planted 500 trees. I planted 50 cacao, 50 papaya, hundred bananas and 300 endemic trees during this time. Oh, that's cool. And do you drink it in the style of kind of the old indigenous, very strong cacao? Yeah. I mix it with, um, in the nighttime, I drink a tea of turmeric, ginger and cinnamon. Because turmeric is good for inflammation in your body. You know, ginger is like vitamin C and it helps you, your digestion. And cinnamon is just makes you happy. So I drink that tea in the nighttime. And then the morning, I, I blend the cacao with that tea. And so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That, I mean, that has other properties too. Um, and then can you just talk about kind of the growth and how you grew this lodge from, you know, getting the loan and everything to the present, what that was like? I mean, uh, it's been 20 years. Congratulations. But I mean, how the development, how many at this point, how many, how many rooms do you have available? 18. And we have eight bungalows, three Hacienda rooms and seven tents because, you know, I was a traveler around the world. So I was like, you know, a little backpack and um, everything has bathrooms, has hot water. My lodge is I was the first lodge in Costa Rica, 100 percent hydro. But right now there's not so much hydro, so now I have solar. So, you know, we're totally off the grid, trying to grow as much food as I can, regenerative farming. And it's healing, but main, mainly people come here to see the animals. I mean, the wildlife is incredible. Yeah. Right. And do you, I mean, I guess there's tours into the rainforest. Is that true or hikes? Yeah. Almost everyone, I would say 99% of the people that come to Luna Lodge go into the park. But, you know, also I have incredible waterfalls. I mean, I have waterfalls like five minutes, seriously, like five, 10 minute walk. 
And my waterfalls are the border to Corcovado. So like my backyard is the national park. It's into the national park, right? And that's completely like, uh, it's a full natural, it's how many acres did you say it was? I forgot the size of it. It's pretty sizable, right? Oh, it's huge. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, I'm not exactly sure. I can't tell you. That is, I think it's. And it's, so kind of like looking back at your 30 year journey in, in Costa Rica, uh, that's what this book entails. I mean, what would what would be your recommendation for people if they want to visit Costa Rica or somehow how do they get to that area or to Luna Lodge? Well, my website is www.lunalodge.com. On Instagram or Facebook, Luna Lodge Costa Rica. They can also look up me, Lana Wedmore. And um, we would love to have them. Right now, I'm so happy when about... 12 years ago, William, I put a world map up. And, you know, right now we have over 140 different countries represented. Represented, wow. Cool. Yeah, people from all over the world. And especially right now, I've had people, I mean, right now, we had people from all over the world that came right now. Your, yeah. your website looks cool. I didn't see that until now. That's a cool website. So there's all the lodges and the huts and tents right there. That's so. the yoga platform right there. Yeah. And you just published a yoga book. Do you want to hold that up? What was the title of that again? It's on. Yeah. Uh, it's called Yoga for Connecting Mind, Body, and Soul. And it's pretty incredible because when my um, publisher came, I invited her with the editor to come see Luna Lodge before I you know, did the book. Because I said, you guys got to come. So it really helped her in, her in her life. So this, I am do a lot more yoga, but this is um, chair yoga and a little bit of standing but it's mainly, it's perfect right now for people, you know, when they're on their computer. I mean, it's like 10 minutes. It's incredible to do 10 minutes a day and you can really start moving your body and helping, you know, at least. And then if you start building a little bit more muscles, then you can continue to, to even, you know, do a better yoga practice. But the most important thing in any, in your life right now is learn how to breathe. People aren't breathing. No. Mm -hmm. I must be fortunate to breathe all that uh, fresh Costa Rican air. I live in Los Angeles. It's the complete opposite. Uh, really interesting conversation. Thanks so much for sharing and the book. Do you have anything you'd like to add or anything I missed before we uh, wrap up the interview? Just want to thank you and thank everyone that's listening. And I just really want to say right now to, to everyone in the world <laughs> that the most important thing is just, you know, go inside and listen to your intuition because when you have peace, harmony, love, and respect for yourself, then your family, your friends, your company, and then the world. But it all starts within. Right on. And again, the, the author's name is Lana Wedmore, spelled W-E-D-M-O-R-E. She has 24 five-star reviews on Amazon right now for her book titled Married to Paradise, One Woman's Courageous Journey of Intuition, Passion, and Purpose to Build an Echo Lodge in the Rainforest. Thanks so much. Really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. All right, take care. Stay there. I'm going to end the broadcast. All right. All right, that was perfect. So 